coming up. What are the most impressive things the D-backs have done post-All-Star break? And which team should be considered the biggest sleeper to take down the Yankees and the Houston Astros of the American League? Sully Baseball tells us next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day you're listening to. Though always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Look up the show account, Locked On Diamondbacks, on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Look up Lockdown Dimebacks on YouTube. You can see my very sunburned face right now if you head to Lockdown Dimebacks on YouTube. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Sully Baseball is going to tell us. He's going to make a case for who he thinks is the biggest sleeper in the American League, potentially the biggest challenger to the Yankees and Astros in the American League playoffs. Sully Baseball is going to tell us that next, but I first want to talk about the D-backs and their second half and some things that have really impressed me about the D-backs in their second half so far because the D-backs in case you don't know they're playing really good baseball post all-star break they were 40 and 52 at the break 12 games below 500 but since the all-star break they're 13 and 9 four games above 500 they've scored 110 runs and only allowed 75 the D-backs are playing really good baseball since the all-star break and I think they've won five of seven series maybe four or six maybe five or seven but they are absolutely playing well since the all-star break so what are four things they're doing that are really impressing me right now post-All-Star break? Well, the first one, the frontline duo looking like a frontline duo because Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly have been dominant forces since the All-Star break. And five starts for Zach Gallen, 1.14 ERA, a .73 whip, a 150 average allowed, and 31 strikeouts to just seven walks. And three of the five starts post-All-Star break, Gallen has pitched into the seventh with zero earned runs and at least six strikeouts three times in three of his five starts. Seven innings, no earned runs, and at least six strikeouts. Absolute dominant stuff from a guy we consider the ace of the staff. And Merrill Kelly, he's been making his case to be the ace of the staff all season because he's been someone that's been um, performing pretty well for this D-backs team from day one, from the first start of the season. Merrill Kelly, you could probably put through line as maybe the best D-back starter so far this season. And it's continued in the second half because even though Gallon's been probably better in the second half of the season, still Kelly's right there in terms of dominance, a 165 ERA in four starts, 0.85 whip, a 183 average allowed and 26 strikeouts to just six. Six walks allowed. Kelly has pitched into the seventh in three of his four starts and has allowed no more than two earned runs in three of those four starts. So he's been incredible. The rotation ERA as a whole in the second half of the season is 3-2-9. So this D-backs front line rotation is looking good. And if guys like Tommy Henry can continue to perform well, maybe Madison Bumgarner could get back on track. You look at the next season, like you got two members in your rotation figured out. They are pitching like frontline starters, even though they might not be considered 
aces, you know, in terms of the lexicon of talking about the best rotations and best duos in baseball. But if Gallo and Kelly pitch like this again next year, I've already made the case that they're a top 10 duo with how they performed this season. And if they could do it again next year, then they could probably crack that top seven, top five duos in all of baseball. So having a rotation where two of the five members is already figured out heading into next season, that's great stuff for the D-backs. And Gallon and Merrill Kelly have been dominant post-All-Star break. The second thing I've liked really, um, the second thing that's been really impressive post All-Star break, the bullpen not blowing games. We know the D-backs bullpen is terrible. It's been terrible for most of the season, but in the second half, it has not been that way because Kyle Nelson, Ian Kendi, Mark Melanson, Joe Mantiply, Noah Ramirez, that's over 40 innings pitch in the second half of the season. Only six earned runs allowed from those five guys so far in the second half. The bullpen has been great at not allowing inherited runners to score and not allowing any runners to score, their own runners or someone else's runners when they enter the game. The bullpen ERA the second half so far, 299. You know what it was in the first half? 433. This bullpen has taken a major leap. Their whip went from 1.34 to 1.25 in the second half. Their strikeouts per nine went from 7.6 to 9 flat in the second half. Right now, in the second half of the season, the D-backs have the fourth best National League ERA in terms of their whole pitching staff, fourth best National League ERA, second best whip, and second best average loud. This D-backs pitching staff is performing really well in the second half of the season. And when you have those five guys already, if the D-backs can figure out one or two other young pitchers, if they could get another pitcher or two from their system internally, show some flashes this year, then you head into next year and you say, all right, we at least got Nelson. We at least got Joe Mantiply. Maybe Ian Candy comes back. Maybe Noah Ramirez comes back. And then we take two of those young guys from this year and you're like, all right, we got at least half a bullpen ready to go for next year. Maybe we got four to six arms that we can rely on heading into next season. And the D-backs haven't had four to six arms of reliable relievers in quite some time. So heading into next year, if we could have a little bit of trust and a little bit of confidence in a handful of relievers from this bullpen, that will go a long way. And so far in the second half of the season, the D-backs got some relievers that are stepping up. The third thing that's been really impressive to me the second half of this D-back season is the newcomers putting in work. And specifically, I'm talking about Emmanuel Rivera and Tommy Henry because those two have been real bright spots for Arizona since the second half, because Rivera, we've all talked about Rivera. We all hated that trade at the time, Luke Weaver, for Rivera, because we thought Rivera were just going to be a platoon guy taking bats away from Josh Rojas. And in act, in uh, reality, they both played together a lot. There's been a lot of games where Rojas and Rivera have played together, and it seems like whenever Rivera's going off, so has Rojas. But Rivera, since coming over to Arizona, has completely lit it up in Chase Field. He's got 357 average and over 1,300 OPS in Arizona with four home runs. He's been doing it all at the plate and has made some pretty nice defensive plays as well at the diamond. And then you look at Tommy Henry, like he hasn't been elite. He hasn't been electric. He hasn't been like Jacob deGrom. But considering my expectations for him when the D-backs called him up, it wasn't very high. And he's... I don't want to say shattered, but he's definitely played above expectations that I've had for him because he's gotten at least five innings pitched in all three of his starts. And 
in two of those starts, he's allowed three earned runs or fewer. So Tommy Henry hasn't been bad at all. Some of his breaking pitches have been nasty. I saw a pitching ninja post a clip of one of the, the breaking balls by Tommy Henry. Like, he might not be a, a, a fastball kind of a guy. He might not be a high velo guy. But if he can really work his off-speed pitches with that fastball, that low 90s fastball, then this is someone that could be a pretty effective starter. And as of right now, like, I want to see him get more starts throughout the rest of this season and if he performs the rest of this season then why not give Tommy Henry the first crack as the number four number five starter next year in the rotation I wouldn't mind that at all so right now the newcomers Emmanuel Rivera Tommy Henry they're making me recalibrate how I um fit them into the D-backs future because right now I'm looking at Tommy Henry as you know maybe that number four number five starter for next season Emmanuel Rivera he's looking like a guy that should get at bats next season as well considering his age he's a guy in his late 20s not too old it's like 26 27 so I wouldn't mind both those guys getting more opportunity as the season ends and then we'll see for next year how those two guys play into the D-backs future and then the last thing I want to discuss that's been really impressive to me post all-star break is the sluggers slugging Christian Walker, Dalton Varsho, and Carson Kelly are three of the biggest D-back sluggers in their lineup. Christian Walker has been hitting for power all season, but Dalton Varsho and Carson Kelly haven't done it a ton. But recently, post-All-Star break, all three of those guys have really tapped into that power department because Dalton Varsho, we've been talking about it. Last year, he struggled in the first half. Post-All-Star break, it was a different Dalton Varsho. This year, his first half numbers were pretty much similar to his season numbers last year. So we're so I've been making the case that if Dalton Varsho sees that uptick in production once again post-All-Star break, then this guy's going to put up All-Star level numbers, and that's what he's been doing post-All-Star break. Four home runs, two doubles, and a 535 slugging percentage in the second half. It was a 409 slugging percentage in the first half, and he's not the only one because Carson Kelly since coming back from injury has been great and in the and in the second half of the season Carson Kelly six doubles two home runs and his slugging percentage has went from 328 to 539 also on a tear and then Christian Walker he's been hitting home runs all season but even in the second half his slugging percentage has gone up Overall, his contact numbers have gone up. He's got five home runs and five doubles in the second half of the season. The sluggers for the D-backs are slugging, and those are four big things that have really impressed me from the D-backs during the second half of the season. Now, Sully Baseball is going to make a case on who should be the biggest sleeper and challenger to the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros in the American League postseason. But before we get there, I need to tell you something that I eat almost Every day, every other day, because I'm a health conscious guy. I tr Excuse me. Hopefully you guys didn't hear that because I'm a health conscious guy. I try to work out every day. And my biggest issue is I have a sweet tooth. I like to eat candy. I like to eat junk food. And the reason why I love Built Bar is because it tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. So it's great for that keto diet. After the gym, when I'm craving something for my sweet tooth, I just eat a Built Bar and it just takes away all those cravings. And right now, Built Bar has these things called puffs, which are protein infused with marshmallow. Absolutely delicious, soft and easy to chew and covered in 100% chocolate like all their bars. So... If you want your own Built Bar, just go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at Built.com.
All right, let's go back to that magical date. Okay. That magical date of July 8, 2022. Now, since then, the Dodgers won 25 out of 30 games. I think they're going to be okay. I think they're the the, the I think they're going to win the division. What do you think? You think they're going to win the division? Yeah, they're probably going to win it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you can go to bet online and put a bet down on that. Uh, by the way, the Mets have won 23 out of 31 games. They're mm. putting the aft thrusters on. The Braves have won uh, 20 out of their next 31 games. So this is a month sample size we're talking about, and some of the teams that already were in position to win. Uh, have uh, put themselves in a good position, but you go back on July 8th, the Cleveland guardians were one game under 500. The Baltimore Orioles were three games under 500. Since that date, those two teams have the, uh, the Orioles and the guardians have the best records in the American league since then. Okay. Uh, Cleveland's won 21 out of their next 32 games. Baltimore's won 19 out of their next 29 games. So you have these two unlikely teams. Baltimore's, of course, insanely unlikely. Um, I think, and you know what? I I know it's really hard to make acquisitions right now, especially with the the trade deadline uh, passed. But there's, uh, there's two players that if there's some way, just some way, the Orioles can acquire Trey Mancini from mm. the Astros. He would be a great fit in Baltimore. And I think they need one more reliever. And if they could somehow manage to pry loose Jorge Lopez from the Twins, those would be just two huge pickups. I'm going to say that every day for the rest of the year because the fact that they sold while contending, yes, they got a mess of pitchers. They got five young pitchers that they put into their staff. Who knows? That could be the next, uh, you know, Jim Palmer or Mike Mussina. I don't know, but they needed those two players to contend. Now I digress. The Cleveland guardians have done everything right since that day. They've pitched well, they've hit well. Their pitching is firing on just unbelievable cylinders. We saw Justin, uh, Justin Bieber, Jesus Christ. i'm sorry i'm a believer what do you want from me uh you saw shane bieber pitch brilliantly on sunday uh tristan mckenzie has had some great games recently you saw Mm -hmm. cal quantrill has pitched great class a is a fantastic reliever to close games out um you know they have some depth in their bullpen and they're starting to hit you know they're i mean Rosario has got some big hits. Andres Jimenez has got big hits for them. Jose Ramirez. All right. He's no longer on that MVP peak that he was on earlier, but he's still a, I mean, he's, he's still a big time run producer and Stephen Kwan, who everyone kind of, you know, dismissed his great start as kind of a, your main Mercedes fluke has, you know, he's has a decent batting average and an OPS that's approaching 800. This team can hit with that great pitching. This is exactly the kind I know. I know you say the Mariners are a bigger threat. I, I, maybe I'll just scream from the mountaintops, but I keep seeing, geez, this team could pitch and hit. And all they'd have to do is win one game on the road in a division series and they'd get the other team on the ropes. I'm sorry. I think of them as a threat. 
You know what, Sully, after looking at the numbers again, you know, running it through my metric system over here one more time, I'm going to I'm going to concede a little bit on the Guardians. After looking at the numbers, I was like, you know what? This rotation is looking pretty nasty. They got three legit frontline starters that are performing pretty well. Class is one of the best bullpen guys in the league. And you just look up and down their lineup. They're really getting um, they're getting really good production from a whole bunch of guys outside of Jose Ramirez, like the Jimenez's, like you mentioned, the Nailers, the Quans. Like they actually have a bunch of dudes with like a 750 to like 850 OPS. So if I had to pick a team because I've really disrespected the American League Central over the last basically since the start of the season. I still don't love the Central, but if I did have to pick a team, I think it would be the Guardians because I just don't believe in the Twins at all. I don't like the makeup of their town or their rotation or their lineup, so I'm out on the Twins. The White Sox, I think, have just dealt with too many injuries. The Tony La Russa thing has been weird. I just don't like the vibe around the team, and basically I've picked them to be my dark horse at the AL the last two years, and they've burned me both, so I'm out on on the White Sox as well. So I think the Guardians, if I had to pick a dark horse team out this division, it would be them, and I'm, I will put them on the same level as the Mariners when I'm looking at dark horse teams of the American League because like you said I think you make a great case I think this Guardian team is kind of deep like they might not have a ton of star power outside of like Jose Ramirez but they got just a lot of dudes like Shane Bieber is a star but they just have a lot of just solid major leaguers a lot of dudes so I do like that team up and down um actually a lot the more I look at it I <clears throat> and I don't know if they could take down the team like the Yankees but they did get in a postseason matchup like I kind of like that rotation of the Guardians better than the Yankees with how they're performing in the second half yeah I mean, the Mariners, one of the things that could happen with the Mariners, if they get into a short series, um, you know, first of all, they, these are teams that have to get past that wild card round. Um, and of, of course that you, that would probably, you something we have to remember is that the wild card round is probably going to burn a team's one and two pitchers. Mm-hmm. And so you're probably going to get face their, unless they play one of them on short rest, you're probably going to get their number three or four to start game one of the division series. Uh, you know, Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray are going to be pitching for Seattle. If they make it into the, that, that uh, wild card round, and if they get into the uh, division series, but um, look at Ray, obviously Cy Young award winner last year, some games this year, he looks like a Cy Young award winner. This sometimes he looks like me. Mm-hmm. So he's, a, he's had an up and down season. But uh, I, you know what? The way it's just the way the Guardians have been winning, and the way that you know they're not going to blow a late lead. And I, I just they, I made this point last week, and I say it again. This is the year I think that there will be a wackadoodle representative from the American League. I think that the Mets or the Dodgers are have to be beaten to, you know, that they're the teams to beat. Um, the Astros are slowly becoming that, but remember last year, the Rays looked like they were heads and shoulders better than anybody. They were the only hundred win team in the American league. And they beat the tar out of the Red Sox in game one and took a big early lead in game two. And it looked like, you know, Red Sox fans were saying, well, at least they won the wild card game against the Yankees. And I just, you know, a team like the, Rays can be taken down. And I think a team like the Astros can be taken down. Certainly a team like the Yankees can be taken down. So uh, it's just, uh, it's going to be, I mean, what- it, it, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer in not just Justin Bieber, but in Shane. 
Sully and I will get into more Guardians talk, but if you want to place a bet on the Guardians taking down the Yankees or Astros, you need to head to betonline.net because it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have have you covered head to better line today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today better line where the game starts Okay, there you go. Well, I'll say this. Pretty much after the Houston Astros, I think the Guardians could probably be any team in the American League, including the New York Yankees, because I don't really look at any team like a powerhouse like that, because even when the Yankees were rolling, like even like I didn't love the Yankees team, even though they were rolling, like they were undeniable at that point because of how much they're winning and the margin they're winning by. But when I actually looked at their team on paper, like I didn't love that rotation. Like they were getting career guy, uh, career seasons out of guys like Nestor Cortez, Jordan Montgomery. And I like Cortez, but I wasn't like a big Montgomery guy. Their lineup after Judge, like it, it wasn't super strong after like Judge and Stan. Guys like Donaldson wasn't really performing at a high level. So I feel like this Yankees remember, team, like they're and Gallo was a hole. Gallo was a yeah. hole in their lineup for a big chunk. But yeah, keep yeah, going, so keep I going. Think, yeah, so I think we're actually seeing like natural regression with the Yankees as to why they're coming back to the pack. And I think look like uh, I look at a team like the Guardians, like on paper, like they they just might be straight up better than the New York Yankees. The Yankees as a team were playing better, but individual talent wise, the Guardians might be better. So once we get to the postseason, the individual talent might overcome that team aspect, and the Guardians might actually be a team that rises with the amount of talent that they have once they get to the postseason. So I don't mind them at all because when I look at the American League as a whole, basically any team outside of the Houston Astros, the Guardians, I think, could take out. And that includes the Yankees in that. I'm going to throw one last thing about the wild card round. I know it's we got about a month and a half of regular season baseball left before we get to that wild card round. But here's something I would do uh, in terms of how to televise it. And hear me out. Okay. Have them all – I don't even know. They may, they may actually be doing this, and I hope they do, because you'll have two wild card series in the American League and two in the national. That's four series going on before we have the division series. Okay. Have all four games on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Have them start the same time and have access to all the games. On, like have one of the, 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 the local team, whatever is broadcast locally, but have your access to all the games on your subscription. In fact, do a thing. Say like, if you want to watch all the games on your device, buy a subscription to next year's MLB package. You could do something to rope people in, but have the games not staggered. So you have one team playing at one in the afternoon and one team playing at 10 o'clock at night, have them all playing at the same time. Cause imagine the excitement of those games all happening. Every one of them at prime time. And you know, the local fans mainly care about the local games. You and I, we were the, we're the banana boat, crazy baseball fans. We want to see all the series. Most people just care about their team. But we're like, oh, we want to see this. Well, buy the package. We're going to buy the package anyway. And so you get to, we get the option to watch the games that we want and have a, have a four square screen showing all of them at the same time. If we want to go truly, 
you know, truly off the ledge. But having them, like if you're watching the one team, say, oh, we're going to cut back to see what's happening as the Twins are taking on the Orioles or whatever is happening. Have it all happen at prime time, at the same time, and have the intelligence to give the access to the fans who want it. That's yeah, my, I think that's, that's no, I was going to say, I, I think I would need the four box thing or like a red zone type thing where we're cutting back and forth during uh, when games are, um, you know, when there's a crazy highlight. Because I would think be the, the down. Yeah, but I think the downside would be knowing baseball, half of those games would probably be blacked out on some channel suddenly. Knowing that's baseball would probably- <laughs> Stop blackouts altogether. <laughs> that's the issue. You just know if they played four games at once, you wouldn't well, be that, able to but, watch one of them. But but you're buying you're you're buying you're saying take my money. <laughs> I'm bringing that into it. You if they will make more money by saying, okay, you can watch them all simultaneously or watch just watch your team. Um, and then you do all your nonsense for the broadcast if you don't do it, okay? If you if you just want to watch your local team, like if you're like if you're in uh, you know if you're in Minneapolis and you only care about the Twins, I just picked a team that I actually don't think is going to make it. If you're in you know, but like whichever, if you're in Atlanta, you only care about the Braves, then you'll watch the Braves series and see the highlights. Mm-hmm. But if you're a fan of wants to see everything. There's your option. Say, well, it's all about money. I'm giving you money. You are making money. Yeah, I'm pro the idea. I think if any sport needed like a red zone type thing, I mean, it's baseball more than other because we literally have, you know, 10 games a day every single day. And if there was a one central location, because like MLB tonight does it sort of kind of. But if you had just one channel dedicated to watching all the games at one time, if there was any sport that ever needed that, it would be baseball. We have all the games playing every single day. So, Sully, why are you not, you know, in the commissioner's office making these kind of decisions? Let's let's get a campaign going. Sully commissioner. Sully. Hashtag Sully. (laughs) Hashtag Sully Commissioner. I want that. I want that to. I want that to be trending. But uh, yeah, I don't want I, Well, yeah. I needed to ask you, Sully, because if you want to start campaigns, like you just say, you need a hashtag. Because when you're reading your LinkedIn frame, your LinkedIn ad, I know you said like H hiring frame. I was like, uh, I think that's a hashtag. I, I, I was reading the copy fast. <laughs> Yeah, that had I was reading the copy. Yeah, I know, I know. I realized after I said it, I was, I was trying to tiptoe through the the wet paint. Yeah. I was like, "H right, well, frame." I, I can't. Like, get, yeah. How do you stop it? You know what I meant. You all yeah. know what I meant. Just go, just go to LinkedIn slash Lockdown MLB. Okay. Well, guess what? Uh, yeah, you've called me out on not reading the copy properly, but I'm going to call you out to let people know where they can find you. Oh, well, you can follow me on my personal Twitter account, of course, at CreatorThomas24. My name is Miller Thomas. If you guys didn't already know, that's right there on the YouTube video because, of course, you guys also subscribe to Lockdown Dimebacks on YouTube. And, of course, on all the podcasting platforms, you can also find the show. And you can find me. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at uh, Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. That's the official show handle. And my personal one is right there on my lower third right there. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Being nostalgic for July 8th, 2022, a very different time in baseball than August 15th, 2022. A little more than a month, and a lot of things in baseball have been different. One thing's the same. I'll be doing this every week with Miller Thomas of Lockdown Diamondbacks. I'm pal Sully. Let's fist bump and call it a good show. Thanks a lot, buddy. See you next week. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's pod. Come back 
tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Make your second listen of the day, Lockdown MLB with our pal Sully Baseball, who you heard on today's podcast, Walking Baseball Encyclopedia. So go check out his pod. We'll back tomorrow with more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.